You know what I think? I think that um, I recently saw the new Ghostbusters movie, and we're not talking about that. But there's a part in that where there's a character called Podcast, and he keeps talking about his podcast, and he's like, you know, it really hits its stride. It finds its voice in its 46th episode. In a way, that's <laughs> us. So. Oh, yeah. <laughs> um. They're coming to get you, Barbara. Oh, that's creepy. <laughs> I love it, though. Now me, I not only drink really, I really drink. We are Buzz on Movies. Welcome once again, ladies and gentlemen, to Buzzed on Movies. I'm Teddy. And I'm Matt. And it's a me, Paolo. How oh, could you? How could you? <laughs> <laughs> oh, boy. You know what? That's I'm right. excited to talk about that. <laughs> That's right, folks. We're here to talk about House of Gucci. Um, La Casa di Gucci. Mm-hmm. All the all the insane Italian accents you can eat. And uh Actually most of them yeah. are fine Italian accents. There's one insane Italian accent. <laughs> They're all so different. That's that's what's so impressive about oh, it. Oh yeah. There's no like <laughs> there's no conception of the fact that Italy has like multiple regions and like there are different like cadences to the accents. There's different there's really like different I mean not languages, but like there are like different, you know the it's just spoken slightly differently across the um, you know, the dialects, just like we have in yeah. the United States and in English. Um so there, are, you know, there's there's no consideration of that, none whatsoever, um, because they just all have different accents, and it's like, well, where are we all from? Um, uh, so yeah, um, yeah, but that's okay. We can get into that in a bit. Continue. Oh yeah, it's fun. So anyway, it's been a while since we potted at you. Mm, uh, didn't don't like, like that. No, no, hated it. Hated it coming out of my mouth. Uh, uh, we're just gonna rewind on that, and well, it's no, been a you while. have to keep that in. We can't edit that out. Um, oh, it's, it's, it's not coming. It's, out. It's, it's podcasted, I think, would be the right. Okay, all right, um, yeah. Um, but the verb. We're here. Um, we're getting ready for the the holiday season it's coming up soon. Season. So hopefully next episode we'll be able to uh, review something a little more seasonal. But well, right I now, we've both seen some seasonal fare. <laughs> oh yes, definitely. Um, but right now <laughs> I was watching, um, what is it? Uh, silent night, deadly night two last night. Garbage day. <laughs> it is uh, so, what I did not realize going into that movie. Is it, ha- have you seen the first one? First of all, yes, I've seen, okay. I've seen the first one. Okay, and so. so I did not realize that the second one would literally just be half of it. Just 40% recapping the first is movie. just literal scenes from the first movie, like being replayed. <laughs> it's so fucking funny. But when it's not those scenes, it's like hilarious. Like when it's like the actual scenes from the, from silent night, deadly night two, it's like very bizarre. It's like this guy being interrogated. And then you have like this long drawn out, like weird scene at the end where you have to watch instead of him, like telling what happened, you have to see what happened. I'm like, what the fuck is going on in this movie? None of this makes any sense. Like the, I don't know what we're doing here. And he He's yelling about garbage. Like, um, yeah, it's anyway, a very, very strange movie. I um, really enjoy that movie. It's um, it's one of the the classics of the Christmas season. So. Of course, um, yeah. But hopefully, we'll we'll cover something like that next time. Um, uh, any, anything else you've seen at the theaters recently before we get into Gucci? A Gucci. 
Um, yeah, so I have seen some other things in theaters. Let me just reconfirm what I've seen in theaters. Um, so I have seen some things in theaters. I have seen, I have seen, I have seen. Well, okay, I'll start with the things that we haven't collectively seen. Um, well, I saw the new Ghostbusters, which was like fine. Um, you know, see it if you like Ghostbusters, I guess. Um, sort of one of those movies where I was like watching and I was like, oh, this is cute. And then I was like, oh, we're just, it's the, the original movie. It's the same plot points. It's the <laughs> same everything. The whole thing is the same. So it, like I, by the end, I was like, all right, I'm over this. You know, like this is cute, but this is kind of annoying. Um, mm-hmm. uh, but, you know, it's fine. It's it's well done enough. Um I don't, I mean, like Finn Wolfhard has no purpose for being in that movie. Like it's sort of like you get these big name actors who are very good. And then it's like, what are you doing with them? Like Paul Rudd and Finn Wolfhard, like you're you're not going to utilize them well. Very upsetting. Um, But you know, life goes on. Um, I also saw the new Resident Evil, Welcome to Raccoon City, um, which was also an experience. Listen, (laughs) I love the Resident Evil games. So for a movie to like really lean in on the games was really actually fun because the original movie series is so, so utterly disconnected from the games. Um, like in so many ways, I mean, they, they make nominal gestures. It'll be like, this character is Albert Wesker. And I'll be like, okay, that's a gesture. Um, they'll be like, this is Claire Redfield. And I'll be like, okay, that's a gesture. Um, but like none of those characters have anything to do with their characters in the game. And and the plot has uh, nothing to do with it. And the, the settings have nothing to do with it really. Um, geez. <laughs> so, I mean, I mean, they do sort of like, again, nominally, um, but the, they're just like very removed, but that's also one of the things that in my opinion makes the movies, I think the resident evil movies are quite successful, not in terms of like being like good classic film, but in terms of being the most entertaining bullshit you'll watch in a while. Oh Yeah. You know, they're absolutely just crazy stuff in those movies. They're they're so much fun to watch. Like there's nothing. Yeah. I mean, um, so, you know, that's also possibly why they're so good at that because they don't feel beholden to like the games. This movie definitely is like beholden to the games in a lot of ways. um, And it takes itself a little more seriously than I think it needs to, Um, you know, but uh, overall, I did have fun. If you like the games, you'll probably have fun. I don't know that everybody else will have fun, um, but I did. It sort of felt like there were times where I was like, maybe these people think they're in different movies. Um, you know, <laughs> that's always fun. And, yeah. I mean, and we're going to, I mean, we have that experience happens in our main movie tonight. <laughs> oh, definitely. <laughs> um, um, but, um, you know, the, the lead is Kai Scodelario who's playing Claire Redfield, who is played by Ali Larder in the, 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 the original movies. Um, uh, the, they're the same character, but you would not, I mean, you wouldn't necessarily know that. And she's like being like a serious, like action heroine. Uh, but meanwhile, you've got Avon Hogia. I don't really know how you pronounce his last name, but um, he's playing Leon S. Kennedy, who's like the protagonist of the fourth uh, Resident Evil game, uh, most famously. Um, and he's like acting like a comedy guy. And I'm like, I don't really know what we're doing here. I don't know what's <laughs> going on. Um, um and I also don't know that I thought of Leon as like the comedic relief of the franchise, but like, that's okay. Um, <laughs> yeah. That's going to be weird. Cause like I don't, games don't have that much comic relief. Those like, games in- definitely don't either. They're like serious, you know, survival horror, especially the first few by the, for a while then they become like action horror. Although by village now, the most recent one, they've moved back into like survival, actual horror. Um, but yeah, so like it was just sort of all over the place. There are some really cool visuals um, and I ultimately did have fun. Um, it's also kind of fun because it's like genuinely set in the 90s. So like you have like 
like a palm pilot is a key plot point. Um, oh, all right. You know, you know, stuff like that is happening. Um, you hear a journey song, uh, specifically any way you want it, which means a lot to me. Um, so, you know, very um, nice. Yeah. So, you know, there's a, there, there is like definitely fun to be had, but it is also a little, a little more serious than I think it needs to be, but you get some good stuff. You know, again, I really like Avon Hogia. I really like Neil McDonough. McDonough, McDonough. I don't know. I don't know how to say any of these actors' names, but Neil McDonough. McDonough everyone, everyone knows his. Neil McDonough. McDonough. Um, R- Robbie Amell is in it, which is like kind of random. Um, but uh, Tom Hopper's in it. You know, so like, there's like, uh, you know, mm-hmm. it's a pretty good cast. It's it's fun. Um, I had fun. I don't know. I'm not going to complain about a Resident Evil movie on my big screen. Um, also seen some movies that aren't in theaters that are also new though. Like I saw the new um. Bruce Campbell movie Black Friday. Um, Ooh, how's uh, that? It's Bruce Campbell, Devin Sawa, um, Michael J. White. They're all in it. Um, that was actually kind of fun. Um, it wasn't as good as it thinks it is, but it's like got really cool practical effects, which was kind of fun. Um, it is about like I don't really know what it is. I guess it's like an alien invasion, but it's like infecting oh. people from like it's jumping from person to person, but in infecting a bunch of people. So it's also sort of like a virus movie um but not really it's more like an alien is like taking over these things i I don't know possession and alien no it's not possession because people type thing no well it like really transforms the people like they become something totally different when they get infected um so like it's not i don't want to say that it's like um just virus or just alien because it's but like it's it also it also gets some like kaiju action in so like i don't know like it's like it's it like totally... slither that james gunn movie I, you know what yes um <laughs> actually a little bit um but yeah that was actually kind of fun i mean it's like a little again has some moments where i'm like all right we don't need to take ourselves quite as seriously as we're all doing doing right now but um it also was kind of fun it all takes place like it's retail workers on black friday um just like a good good setting for like a quasi zombie quasi alien quasi virus horror movie to be right. taking place right um like so. the opening scene of krampus yeah <laughs> oh krampus. But with zombies yes uh, so yeah i i you know i i kind of have fun with it i thought it was pretty good um and that that's brand new um so uh yeah sounds cool good. yeah yeah what about you uh, well, in terms of uh, um, new releases that I have seen not in the theaters, uh, I recently saw A Castle for Christmas. Oh, yes. Which... I didn't mention that because I thought we might formally discuss it at some point. But yes, I've also watched oh, that. We can definitely talk about it a bit now. Um, this is a, a new Netflix movie, and it's one of their like classic like Hallmark-style Christmas movies where it's like, you know, a romance with very little substance to it. Just like completely um, like zero stakes, but um yeah. No no stakes, no like conflict or characterization. Um it has stars Carrie Elwes, which um is big a, draw for us. a big big draw, big draw for for the Saw fans that we are. Um It also it, stars Brooke Shields. I yes. just like feel like <laughs> Brooke Shields as well. Quite the surprise. Yes. Uh and uh, I can't say that either of them did particularly well because there was not a lot to work with. No, but uh, it was kind of a crazy movie. Um, not all many. Of these, all of these movies turn out to be like low key, completely insane. If you think <laughs> about the things that are happening in this in the movie, it's sort of like 
wait, what the fuck? Like, how is this a plot point that we're all just like passing off as like this, like normal life thing that's happening or whatever. Like, <laughs> so in this movie, Brooke Shields is like this author who uh, has like a very popular series of books, like misery style. Yes. She's- I'm reading misery right now. I just <laughs> want to be just clear. Like that misery. While I was watching this, I was like, holy shit. Like she literally, she, she has like the most, the recent entry in her series, like she like kill, she didn't kill off a character because that would be too much conflict for this. But she, no, like, she, she does, she did. she did. Okay, I thought she just had the breakup. But maybe, so no, somebody she killed him off, and that's why she has that meltdown on Drew Barrymore show. Because another insane thing <laughs> is that Drew Barrymore is in this movie. Yes, um, um, <laughs> Drew Barrymore in what I saw described in one of the articles as a like a, like a blink and you'll miss it type cameo. They're like, watch for Drew Barrymore. It's like, okay, there's a whole scene where Drew Barrymore is very prominently like in the scene, but and okay. she's like very prominently being Drew Barrymore. Like yes. she's like, it calls attention. It's like, and now we're going on Drew Barrymore show. Like, it's like a thing. Like, I'm like, what? Uh, uh yeah. Um, no, Everything- she, kills off, she kills off this character. And that's why she has that meltdown on the show where like Drew's like, why did you do it? Why'd you do it? And she's like, you know what? You're all lucky. I made it quick. He died quickly. I could have, I could have had him dragged down the street behind a truck. I could have burned him alive. Like, started naming all these violent, horrible ways that he could have died. Yeah. Um, and he, uh, also, like this, this was such an unpopular book that apparently, like people were picketing at her publicist's office. Like he showed like a whole like crowd of people outside, like protesting the book. Yeah. Um, so then she just has to get away to Scotland to like ride this out. And all of this happens in like the first five minutes of the movie. Yeah. This <laughs> is just, all like, happening. Blitzing over there. Just got to quick, get us through all this establishing stuff so we can get to Scotland and just start showing pictures of castles the whole time. And yeah. then she gets, gets to this castle in Scotland where apparently like, or, or she has like family ties there. Like her dad worked there as a kid or something. And yeah, then, I want to be clear that it's not really like the, when she gets over there, it's very vague about why she's there for like a long stretch of time. Like, why are we here again? Like, why is she in this town? Why is there a castle? And like, she's like, Oh yeah, my dad was a groundskeeper. I'm like, what? Yeah. <laughs> it's like, all this stuff is like said in one sentence. And if you miss it, it's like, fine. it doesn't really matter anyway, but you're not getting another shot at that. Yeah. <laughs> you're not, you don't have to understand why stuff is happening, but you're, you're like, you're not going to, unless right. you catch that one sentence. Um, so yeah, then she shows up and Carrie Elwes is apparently like the groundskeeper or something, but it later turns out that he's actually the, the, Duke, the Duke that, that is like, uh, owns the castle and everything but he's in financial trouble so he's like selling the castle and then like they get off to a bad start and then so when she's buying the castle like he's like all huffy about it and they're like they all they, they have like the worst will they won't they <laughs> romance ever because they just like there's no there's no stakes to their conflict at all it's just like she's he's annoyed that she ran off while she was on a tour or something yeah <laughs> and like oh my god this whole thing that whole thing is like very stupid like and like he's like don't go up there and she's like okay and then just goes up there and i'm like what (laughs) like you couldn't have just said like oh you know my dad carved something in the door when he was a child or something now um 
Right. Then, and and <laughs> since she gets all like defensive the whole time about it, like he sees it, she's like, oh, ha, ha, you think somebody carved? Ha, 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 ha. I'm like, he didn't say anything. Shut up. Meanwhile, <laughs> Carrie Elwes is doing an accent that is very <laughs> suspect. I mean, God love him, but the accent is <laughs> like, sometimes I'm like, are are you Irish? Are we, are we doing Irish? <laughs> like <laughs> all the Scottish stuff in this movie is insane. There's that scene where they're all at the pub and they start singing Loch Lomond together. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it was like, what is going on? <laughs> Oh my god. And meanwhile, Brooke Shields is running around and and my favorite one of my favorite tropes that happens in all of these movies, she just is like a walking gap ad. Like she's just like running around looking like she like got dressed like she's a gap mannequin the whole time. She's <laughs> like she's wearing like the puffy vests and plaid and jeans and I'm like, okay, we get it. Like you got a gift card to the gap and you're running around <laughs> and like and she's just like, Oh, I have to write, I can't put words on paper. And I'm like, well, you're not trying very hard. So if we could like sit down and write, girl. Like, also, I have no conception while watching this movie of the amount of time that is passing. Like the whole time, like there's no, there's no like visual to know. Like, oh, it's been like this amount of time. Cause she's like, I have to write this book. And I'm like, well, haven't you been there for like four days? So if you'd written the fucking book, it'd be weird. <laughs> the like, only way, the only way you know how much time has passed is because like, it, it like they have to physically state it at one point they're like um carrie yes. was just like you have to live in this house for 90 days in order to buy it or something which is a very strange stipulation indeed but uh yeah uh, well he's like obviously trying to like get her he's like trying to bully her out also though 90 days and then it's over and we know that when those 90 days are up it's like basically christmas time um, yeah. And by the end of those 90 days, I mean, spoiler alert, but she's like, I love you. And he's like, I love you too. I'm like, it's been 90 fucking days. It's been 90 <laughs> days. It's been 90 days and we're in love. We're doing this. I mean, you've been, you've had a very turbulent 90 days together because for what I think was like 70 of those days, you seem to hate one <laughs> Exactly. <another. laughs> like, we waited till the very end to like, be like, oh, okay. Now I guess you're not that bad. And the funny thing is like Brooke Shields is like, comes to him wearing like some family dress of his that has like the tartan pattern. Oh my God. It looks is absolutely so, insane. It, it's like, it's not, it's, it's a lot. <laughs> it's really a lot. Uh, it, but you think like, that's going to be like a conflict moment. That's going to be the thing that almost tests their relationship. But well, somehow like me showing up to my partner's place in like a union Jack tuxedo. <laughs> like, <laughs> that would be a bit off yeah um but instead somehow that's the thing that brings them together but then you get like the little conflict moment where the that that means that they have to make up at the end later and i don't even remember what it was it was just something completely oh their their fight i know what it yeah was. um okay say so it, say they'd it. had they'd like they'd like hooked up and like it's heavily implied that they spent the night together so they like had sex um Obviously, this movie can't show that, but, like, come on. They spent the night together, and they're adults. Um, so then they were, like, having breakfast that was made by the guy who's always wearing a kilt. Um, he's, like, perpetually in a kilt. And um, and then she's like, I was thinking, you could live here, too. You don't have to leave. And he's like, oh, <laughs> oh yeah. you can live in my home where I'm the duke, <laughs> my castle? And I'm like, she fucking bought it! She bought the castle! 
This is a um, nice gesture. That, like, she's obviously saying she wants you to move in with her, you fucking <laughs> lunatic. Like, uh, I love that he gets offended by that because, like, it seems like he just like instantly reverts to the version of himself in the beginning of the movie. There's like yes. no, there's, like this whole time, it's like they've made no progress. Well, and this <laughs> is like, after like, they've clearly fallen in love, and we've had moments where like she's like, "It's snowing." He's like, "Oh, don't tell me you're one of those people who likes the snow." And they get a fucking batshit insane montage of them swirling around in the snow. It's like, well, these are the only scenes they've been together. And so, like, <laughs> they're just, like, running around in the snow. And, like, she's she's literally at one point spinning around in the snow with her arms out, with her tongue out to taste the snow. And I'm like, this is fucking psychopathic behavior. Like, what are we doing? Like, <laughs> very surreal. Very surreal moments in this movie. <laughs> and then there's the part during their, their fight where... Carrie Elvis is having, like, flashbacks to all the things they've done. Yes. And they've had, like, there was, like... They've had like two scenes together. So <laughs> you literally just get shots from like those two scenes. I mean, scenes. the movie is like an hour and a half. Like it's not a very long movie. So by the time we're at the fight, they like, you know, there's really only but so many things we can pull from here. Um, and like, it's an hour and a half of not a like particularly well-crafted film. You know, it's not like this is like a, a nice densely plotted film where after an hour, we really understand these characters. It's sort of like, I don't know what the fuck any of these people feel or think or are um because we've also got like side characters like we've got like these <laughs> side characters who like take up plot like one of them wants to dye her hair green and this is like a, a key plot the side characters, like the side <laughs> plots are insane they're like the only thing more insane than the main plot are the side plots that go nowhere and have no place in the my movie my favorite is the obvious like they're in a knitters club and there's one man and he's obviously gay because they're like he hasn't i haven't seen him smile like that since graham and i'm like hold on what the fuck happened to graham and like <laughs> like and we never find out what happened to graham i just want to be clear but we what we do find out is that this man at one point towards the end has like a crying moment where he's like so i can't even remember what exactly he says but he's like love is so important and when we find it we don't let go i'm like what the fuck like who is this man like i mean i know he's been in the movie the whole time but like he's never really said anything other than smiling at the camera like why are you delivering this poignant line now and he's like man crying, we don't and then he like runs off while crying I'm like what the fuck just occurred like um very bizarre We've got yeah. Brooke Shields. She's like a amateur barber who's apparently really good at it for some fucking reason. I'm like, she's a famous author. She's a famous <laughs> author. She doesn't deal with hair. Why is she cutting like, hair? It makes no sense. Oh my god. She's like clearly like like a Nicholas Sparks level author, right? <laughs> like like sells like bazillions of books that aren't particularly great, but are like really entertaining for people who like that kind of book, right? Um, what? What are we doing? Um, very weird. You know what's the craziest thing about this movie, though? Has nothing to do with the cast, nothing about the plot. It's that this movie was directed by Mary Lambert, who directed the original Pet Cemetery movie, <laughs> which is fucking insane. That's that, completely bizarre. Yeah, that's <laughs> very, very strange. She has a very interesting filmography. Um, also, I have to point out that um, one of the one of the reasons that is established in the movie why uh, Brooke Shields is good with hair is that at one point she lived above a hair salon. Yes, that is why I forgot about that. <laughs> 
Oh my god. You know That's what? True. This this woman did also direct Halloween Town 2 Calabar's Revenge. Yes, yes. That was the other thing that and I saw. And Urban that I Legends like, Bloody Mary. Yes. So, <laughs> quite frankly, she's an icon and a legend, and I think we need to respect her more. She also oh. directed Mega Python versus Gatoroid. I don't even yeah. know what the fuck Gatoroid is. Like That's like one of those legendary like sci-fi horror films, yeah. you know, like as in on the sci-fi channel. Right. So she's really like, she's just done it. She's really done it all. So good for her, if I'm being honest. Um, yeah. That's, uh, that's quite the career. Um, but yeah, that that's a whole trip. Um, I don't know if it's quite as crazy as like um, the uh, night before Christmas or whatever. But I love uh, the night before Christmas, man. I yeah. can't wait for a sequel. They really I, need a sequel. <laughs> I would I would watch a sequel to that. I don't think I'd watch a sequel to Castle for Christmas. But um, well, yeah. there's nothing to we, do with the sequel. Not that like that ever has ever stopped these movies before. Like I remember there's that one called A Very Country Christmas. That, like has like. <laughs> zero purpose and has like zero room for a sequel but they're just like there are like two extras and i'm like why wait why are there two more like what are we doing <laughs> um so you know you never know it, it, you know if, if enough people watched it they're gonna they're gonna do a sequel um so. it's gonna do a Ma- magic mike xxl style sequel where it's just all the characters you liked from the first movie just hanging out and having a good time honestly i would 100 watch these characters just hang out and like the knitting club and where they go to the like she's like want to go to the pub and it's the same pub that's in the hotel which is also where the knitting club meets um it's like there's <laughs> it's like two the there only are two, building there in town. actually there are two sets in this entire movie um <laughs> other than drew barrymore show um so there, there are two sets and so there they go to the one where it's a pub slash knitting circle slash hotel um so yeah um, like you do yeah um i really appreciated that you know i love these movies so very i was very happy to watch it this was like a joyous occasion for me because <laughs> carrie always did one of them um yes really great. yes that, that's true incredible to see him in one of these finally uh oh one thing i had i have to mention before we move on um every time you see the castle in this movie once you get past like the fall once it's in the winter time every time you see the castle once they start decorating it's crazier like oh, and you <laughs> there's a certain point where you see it you're like okay it couldn't possibly be any crazier than that and then they go back and it's like what is going on they have all these lights and stuff and the entire time they're complaining like you know Carrie Elwes's whole plot is that he's broke and that they have no money for anything but they they're spending like thousands of dollars decorating this place for Christmas. Well that's Brooke and Shields. She because she's like she's decorating it and at one point the power goes out and he's like it's probably all your lights and I'm like all right. <laughs> yeah, how does all this right. town even have the infrastructure to power all those lights? Well, it's a like, fucking it's in castle. the middle also, in the middle of nowhere. I just want to also point out that, like, even though she's, like, a famous novelist, like, I don't think famous novelists make but so much unless they're, like, J.K. Rowling, God forbid. Um, um, Like, she just shows up in Scotland. She's like, I'm going to buy this castle. I'm like, hold on. If we, like, what? <laughs> you just have the money to buy the castle? Because we also find out that the cat, like, in buying the castle, like, also... Carrie Elwes owned all of the land around the castle. I'm like, what the fuck is going on? Like, yeah, well, because we he's the duke. He's the duke. He he owns like the whole dukedom. 
Whatever. The dukedom. The dukedom. The dukedom. Uh, Mike Mike Kashevsky. Um, but uh, yeah, I like I just. It's a very bizarre, like not like there are like plot points will be thrown at the screen, and then it's like, wait, that didn't make sense. But it's like clear that it's just like we need com, we need like some sort of conflict for the next ten minutes. We'll move on, but we need the conflict for now. <laughs> um, that's like sort of what half the the plot points in this movie are, including like not having enough power to like light up the place because it it comes back on pretty quickly. Um, um, mm-hmm. You know, also like the fact that the the castle is like dilapidated and everything's leaking. We see that like twice, and then it never comes back into play. Um, <laughs> right, right. I thought they were gonna have like some big like renovation scene or something, but they no. we just like kind of ignored all that the, stuff. The, the castle is falling apart, but they host the entire town for a party, so it's probably fine. Um, right. Um, <laughs> um, Don't know how that works, but okay. What a bizarre! Um, it's a very bizarre. Movie. Yeah, it was. It was quite a trip, as as these movies often are. I do like that Brooke Shields changes her name to her Scottish name at the end. I did like that. I liked when she changed her name from Sophia Brown to Sophia McGinty. <laughs> it's a nice touch. So I just thought it was very funny. Also, it's like part of course her name whole, is like... Mick Mick something. Um, uh, but okay. Um, yeah, that was really good. Also, is Brooke Shields actually Scottish in any? Do we know this? Do I mean? Do we I, know? I have no idea. Uh, wonder if this was like a passion project for her, you know. Um. <laughs> this is the one she's been dreaming of the whole time. It's like you know, you, you have to put in your work doing doing the uh, the stuff that makes the money, so you can finally do a castle for Christmas this far into your career. Could you imagine? This, this is what she really wants to do. Um, maybe she'll write the novelization. Then she'll become uh, Sophia McGinty. Yeah, yeah, she could be. She could be really like getting into the role. Yeah. Maybe she she wrote a novel to to get into character. All right. Well, um, moving on from that, I also saw <laughs> the Princess Switch too. Wait, but two, but not three. I still haven't seen three. They're making them too fast. I can't the, catch up. Two came out last year. I, I know. Year. Well, I was watching one last year. I can only oh take God. one of these a year. It's like it every time. It's oh like my it God, that's so crazy. I get, I, get into, I get into them and it's like all I want to watch for like days on end. I'm like, oh, hell yeah. Let's keep fucking doing it. This shit's great. Oh, God. Yeah. Um, they're so to, funny. I, they're all so far detached <laughs> from reality. But it's like, I don't understand. I don't understand how these movies get written and made and acted and directed and produced. Like, I don't understand any of it. It's fascinating. It's very strange. Whenever I watch one of these, I'd like to think about like them shooting this in the middle of like July or whatever and how absolutely insane that must be to be on that set with all this crazy shit going on. Uh, And like the most ridiculous looking Christmas sets. Yeah, the Princess um, Switch is a pretty seems like a pretty insane set to be on. Honestly. Oh yeah. If I'm being honest with you. I mean, you've got you have Vanessa Hudgens playing three characters running around. That's <laughs> gotta be like a whole thing. I mean, it's I, I just can't imagine. <laughs> what was your impression of the second one? I thought the second one was completely batshit. Like <laughs> Of course. Uh, I mean this one I think really like I could see where the first one, you know, sort of followed the formula. And like, I could see the appeal. This one, I'm like, I don't like who, 
what is this movie for? Because <laughs> like they don't even do that much of the Christmas stuff in this movie. They like kind of squeeze it all into the ten, first 10 minutes so that then they can introduce this absolutely insane uh, like double princess switch into the the rest of the movie and yeah so there's a third vanessa hudgens in this one that's evil um which of course like that's the natural place you go to next um but she's evil in like the funniest way well she's like doing sort of like a cruella deville kind of act here she's doing she has a cruella deville accent she like literally this this role Emma Stone watched it to prepare for Cruella. Like, <laughs> almost, almost certainly. Like, she's got, she's got like the Cockney accent. She like, she has like her manner that she goes back to with her goons who hang out there, who are both like, what? A, they're both a bit dumb, especially the one guy who's like, like I thought I was the brains. Like, oh, wait, no, or was it like I thought I was the looks? That's why you're also not the brains. <laughs> <laughs> um oh my god yeah and they've got this crazy scheme to like steal a bunch of stuff from the the princess or duchess soon to be queen vanessa hudgens um by by doing a non-consensual princess switch uh which folks remember always ask for consent before princess switching um but there's a kidnapping. They, they, there's a yeah, kidnapping. they were gonna kidnap her. Consensual princess <laughs> switch. Um, they were gonna kidnap her, but they didn't know that she had already princess switched with the baker turned princess <laughs> Vanessa Hudgens, and so they kidnapped the wrong princess. And yeah, it's just like a whole thing. It doesn't really go anywhere. But it doesn't. But need to. it's one of these movies, of um, course. I, but it's I, like it, the the plot actually gets so complicated that they don't even have time to do all that Christmassy stuff. It's like, wait, why does this? Who is this movie for? It's not like the first movie, other than it's, not. it's all so batshit insane. I gotta tell you that the third one is also not like the first movie. Um, <laughs> and I don't want to spoil the the crazy shit that happens in the third one, but I was just watching it like I don't know what the fuck this movie is about, like. <laughs> Um, I also don't really understand what like happened to like original royalty Vanessa Hudgens's original fiance man. Like he be- he went from the first movie being like a normal dude, and then the second movie he's just like the dumbest person that's ever existed. And yes, the third one he's <laughs> he's even dumber. I'm like I don't know what the fuck happened to this man. Well, um, he's, it's like the himbofication <laughs> of the, the oh, prince. No, of this- he's getting himbofied. <laughs> Well, like, I guess, like, because he has to constantly, like, put up with these switches and stuff that he kind of, like, by necessity has to be. Well, can you imagine if you're, like, living your normal life, engaged to, like, royalty, you're all going to be royalty together or whatever, like, you and this woman, and then she finds somebody who's not even related to her. And you, they just start like switching roles. Sometimes they're just like, "Yeah, let's just like blah blah blah." Um, like, <laughs> like I would, my brain would break too. Like I'd be like, "What the fuck is going on here?" Uh, it's fucking insane. I mean, this would be. It's so funny because even by the third one, there's never like talk of like what will the press say. It's like this would be 
national scandal. This would be yeah, like no, the craziest this be... thing. This would be days of MSNBC coverage. This would the BBC <laughs> this would be, would the UN like would be life. involved. They're like what the princess like went missing and like some other strange person just filled in for her. Like what was going on? Like did she have access to international secrets? Like what was so <laughs> there's so many completely nuts. <laughs> The geopolitical implications of some of the things that happen in this movie, like there was almost somebody who like the wrong person almost got coronated in this uh, in this movie. What would have happened if that had happened? Would the uh, would the parliament have to step in? Who knows? Well, (laughs) I don't really understand the governmental structure of this country, but like presumably somebody would step in. Right. Like, I don't really know. It was completely like completely nuts completely nuts also they've let this like evil blonde sister fester like an open wound for so long that now she's just like like stealing shit like she's like she's like royalty in line like she you know she's in the line for the throne in in theory right like yeah well like She's she's like from like a she's third like a different kingdom. Yeah. There's they all have different fictional kingdoms, and oh, I have a, a special guest star who wants to chime in here for a oh, minute. Please. And will not allow me <laughs> to speak. All right, here we are. Hi, Matt. Hey. Hi. So you were talking about how she's in line for the throne, <laughs> right? Um, just on a very basic level. I mean, I, I hated this movie, but <laughs> I'm a really big um, English royal family fan. And uh, the protocol in this film particularly drove me up the wall. Uh, she's in line for the throne, but they refer to her as a duchess. <laughs> which why is she not a princess i think maybe they're trying to make some kind of a distinction between the baker turned princess vanessa hudgens and this royal vanessa hudgens but she's not married if she was in line for the throne and unmarried she would be a princess like you are you're only a, a duchess and in line for the throne unless you like if you marry a prince so right. their whole aristocratic structure you know in this fictional country made me very confused okay yeah um, good okay which that was a problem for me um you know another another protocol issue was like every time like these this evil Vanessa Hudgens was in the castle and the the queen uh, to be Vanessa Hudgens was like what are you doing here you know like anytime she didn't want her in there she she there there are people who can just get rid of her like yes. all, all the time right if you and, are like the queen in waiting like or right or like it literally if someone like touches you and you don't want them to like you just they're thrown in jail like yep. the whole that the whole thing was upsetting uh the the, <laughs> the royal wedding in an airplane terminal which <laughs> Which was fine. Uh, like, it, that would have been, you know, national uproar. Yeah, and, oh, absolutely, yes. Yeah. And, the you know, the fact that a, a queen was marrying a baker, uh, like, oh, yeah. for some reason, didn't make the headlines. 
Uh, no, there, but, there was just like no, like there's no consideration for like the the like the media or like geopolitical ramifications of anything they're doing. It's well, just, and between <laughs> the two of them, like he, they they the whole idea of the princess switch was, you know, you'll uh, have some free time and we'll be able to get our relationship back on track. And then we can be together. And it's like, she's about to be queen. It's just going to get worse from here. Like, she's not going to get more free time after you get married and she becomes queen. Right. Like, you're going to have to completely give up your bakery. I hope you're okay with that. That's never discussed. And, like, you're both going to get really busy. So, honestly, the princess switch, like... (laughs) It's not going to fix your relationship. That's really <laughs> unfortunate. But also then at the end when they, you know, they make out during her coronation and then they kind of make the coronation like a wedding, which is like entirely inappropriate. And then evil Vanessa Hudgens gets to attend with her police guards. Well, yes, uh, also that. I just, <sighs> I just wanted to step in and provide my, um, you know, Thank you. Royal you analysis. Have, I was say, you have the expert opinion on this. So As an expert, <laughs> um, if if Princess Kate behaved like this, it would have been, you know, uproar. Off with her head. <laughs> off, <literally, laughs> yeah. yeah, off off with her head. Yeah. Um, but I'm happy it's working out for Vanessa Hudgens, and I can't wait to see what kind of you know princess switch cubed happens in uh in princess switch three Three. i can't wait what they really need to do actually is is follow the alien aliens alien three format and uh bring us back to just one vanessa hudgens in this one so she's gonna have to kill off the other two we've never had one with just one that's never happened (laughs) no no i'm just saying we have to follow the alien format um but (laughs) it it is it is unfortunate that nobody got executed for treason in this movie they did get Um, sent to the dungeons they did did like i did like which is like to the dungeons and i was like what you have dungeons we're just sending people to the dungeons they're actually Um, like like medieval style dungeons okay oh um also uh there was a theory that we developed during this movie which is that um at this point in the story uh the the bakery that Kevin works at would basically become like the equivalent of like Georgetown cupcake where like the, the baking wouldn't necessarily be very good, but it would all be about like showing up to take an Instagram and it'd be like, look, I'm at the princess switch bakery. Right. That is (laughs) what would happen. Oh boy. Yeah. So much fun with these crazy Christmas movies. I think at this point, like, there's like a like, all of the people making them know that they're just making crazy shit, and they're just like, let's just oh, see definitely. what we can do. Like, let's, let's see what we can get away with. Um, it's like it's like an asylum film or something, you know? <laughs> like, they're like they're just making like it's the equivalent of those insane horror movies that just like don't even try to have a a plot that makes any sense. It's just like let's just we'll give the people what they want, just pure Christmas insanity. Love it. Love it. I want more. Let's just keep getting as batched as we can. When is the next night before Christmas, Vanessa? I'm really, I'm really waiting for that. Like I, I'm very, cause they, they specifically teased the fact that, um, sir, what's his face had a brother who was also going to travel 
the knight's quest to right. the modern day. That's time. So, yeah, yeah, we we need that in our lives. It's gonna be, it's gonna be great. I'm sure of it. So good. All right, <sighs> one last thing that we should touch on before we we get to the meat of tonight, because yeah. uh, I think the meat we this has also been meaty. But let's continue. <laughs> the whole everything here is meaty. You know, if you know what I mean. Uh, last night in Soho. Okay. I feel like we have to talk about this because, um, it's Edgar Wright. Edgar he's, Wright. he's a, yeah, he, he's somebody I always he's have to see as auteur. an uh, auteur. Um, yeah, this was, this was a pretty fun movie. Um, yeah, I kind of liked it. I thought it was fine. Yeah. It's, it's Some people kind haven't of, haven't liked it, but I liked it. I liked it. Yeah. It's interesting to see how like kind of controversial it's been. Like a lot of people are just like. I don't know. Don't like it. For some reason, I you know I think it's it's not it's not like high art necessarily, but it is a bit of good fun, and I think that that's usually about where Edgar Wright's movies fall. Yeah, they're, they're yeah. well executed, fun movies. Um, yeah. and I think that definitely fits the bill here. Um, this was um, kind of like a a seventies eighties Jallo throwback. Um. It's got like the really stylized lighting choices, the uh, dark shadows and dark themes and lots and lots of murders. Um, lots and lots of murders. Oh, yeah. Uh, this movie's all about um, a girl who moves to London for fashion school and who um, starts having these dreams where she like sees herself as this woman, like this different woman in the sixties and like, she's a nightclub singer and she has like this whole sordid story and she begins to figure out that this is like a real person and that these things actually existed. And she's trying to like solve how, like how this person got murdered. Cause apparently like she, she can see that she got murdered. Right. Um, and it's, you know, it's, it's fun. It's it's very visually exciting. There's yeah, a lot of crazy stuff that happens. I mean, that's a, you know the typical Edgar Wright way. It's very visually fun and interesting, and um, music, as always with Edgar Wright, plays a big role oh, yeah. in it. Um, music was on point. Yeah, I mean he's he's good at that. Uh, so you know it's got all the like the hallmarks of a typical Edgar Wright film. Um, so it's it's fun if you you know, like you said, it's not like a masterpiece, but it's like it's a fun way to spend like an hour and 45 minutes or whatever it was. Um, yeah, I liked it. I, I thought the, I don't know. I thought it was like, you know, I'm not going to think about it after I saw it. It was like style over substance for sure. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, and that's okay. I like, I feel like some people like, I like the biggest criticism I've seen is like people like, it's just like style for style. So I can like, well, yeah, it's like Edgar Wright. I don't know. Like I don't go to an Edgar Wright movie and think I'm going to have like a meditation on like, how style interacts with fucking content. I don't like, I, I don't know what you want from Edgar Wright. Have you seen any of his other yeah. movies? Like, I don't really get it. Like he's like very big on style. That's like his thing. Um, and maybe sometimes I'd love to see more about how like style, you know, form interacts with whatever fucking art school nerds, but like um, <laughs> film school nerds, I should say not art school. Um, but like, it's fine. It's fine. It looked great on the big screen. It was fun. 
I like watching Anya Taylor Joy act. Oh yeah, she's fucking she's great. Like, um, I like you know I don't know. I thought it was good. I thought it was it was enjoyable. I liked seeing Matt Smith on the big screen. He's not always a big screen star. That was kind of fun. Um, I liked seeing Diana Rigg. That was fun. Final oh, yeah. performance. Um, really, really good to see her though. So, you know, I thought it was good. That was good. That was. I thought it was fine. It was fine. It was perfectly enjoyable. It. It like. It sort of. It did get sort of like people were like. Like I saw like some horror outlets were like, "Ooh, this spooky movie." I'm like, it's not really that, but like, please keep going. Um, <laughs> the, like every time it, I like every time it was like, "Oh, and here are these ghosts of all these dead people." I was like, "Well, this looks like it's like the way that 2007 movies presented ghosts, so maybe we should tone that down a little bit. Like maybe Edgar <laughs> yeah. Wright needed to not take his cues from Pulse." the 2006 remake <laughs> oh no um, but like you know otherwise i did think it was it was pretty pretty enjoyable um also the ending did maybe take its cues from house of wax 2005 but oh my god well, well it is kind of like that a huh? little bit house of wax Just... um, <laughs> oh boy but that's a good thing yes we love house of wax here um so that's fine with me but it did. I definitely was like, oh, we're doing that. I guess it's also sort of like, I don't know, maybe it's like the fall of the house of Usher, but I mean, the fall of the house of Usher isn't really about fire, but. Um. Right. Yeah. I, I guess. Wow. Is, is the ending of house of wax 2005 an homage to fall of the house of Usher? That actually makes more sense because house of wax 2005 is sort of about like family and stuff like that. Um, so yeah, yeah, that's true. Um, ooh, ooh boy, man. Can I have to go? Do another House of Wax deep dive. Should probably but... see the there's also the original. Should probably watch that and see if that has some some parallels that make it clearer. You know. Yeah, I saw that a while ago. I, this is Vincent Price in that one. Mm, yes, as he would. Be. And Vincent Price, who was also in a uh, adaptation of Fall of the House of Usher. So. Wow! 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 Um, <laughs> oh wow! Oh, but we're wow. getting well off track here now. Um, uh, so yeah. let's. Uh, in terms turn- of 60s depictions of London, though, do we prefer... <laughs> I can't even say it with a straight face. Do we prefer Last Night at Soho or, like, Cruella? Um- <laughs> <laughs> and we're back, folks. We, we verged back full circle into Cruella territory. Um- <laughs> so. Okay. Yeah. Um. Yeah, I don't even know if I can add on that. Okay, yeah, Cruella, Cruella is very fun. With the 60s. <laughs> we talked about Cruella. We've you, been you, there. You, I know. Um, <laughs> um, all right. So let's let's take our our uh, our walking boots and walk from jolly old England, a little south of the border, down to Italia. <laughs> that was me trying to do that. These boots are made for walking. Like oh, intro. okay. Um, that's what I was trying to do there. Um, oh, Italia! Ciao, mi amore! It's me, Paolo! How good you! Um, <laughs> good lord. Good fucking lord. Listen, let's just... Mm-mm. House of Gucci. House of Gucci is a film. It exists. <laughs> it was... A pretty enjoyable movie. Yes, I think that's. I think enjoyable is a very good word for this movie. I do not think 
great would be a good word for this movie. I think good would be a a fine word for this movie, but maybe pushing it, maybe pushing it. I think it was a perfectly fine movie. And I think the biggest problem with this movie was it like every scene, the tone was just like, Oh, now we're back to this tone. And now we're, now we're this genre. And now we're this. I was like, what the fuck? (laughs) I don't know what the fuck we're doing here. Like, um, yeah, it did feel kind of just like a collection of scenes, you know, and like they felt kind of disjointed. Well, it felt like maybe Ridley Scott didn't know if he was like trying to make a serious drama about like our leads and their, their situation and their romance and falling apart. Or if he was trying to like make it like a sort of like funny satirical, like campy movie about how ridiculous this all is. Like, like he just like could not decide. And so every other scene is a completely different vibe. And I'm like, this is very, very whiplashy like it's kind of halfway between the two of them yes which at times is not awful but at other times it's like it's just kind of disjointed yeah i mean it's a perfectly it was perfectly enjoyable it's just like it's not like really how generally one thinks that like they want a film to be structured right like they want it to have some sort of sense of cohesion, you know, um, especially right. when you're Ridley Scott and you're presumably, you know, putting forward this movie that you've clearly put a lot of work into and drawn performances out of actors that you clearly think it might be like award worthy. You probably want a movie that has some sense of cohesion. Um, um, I don't know that this is that, but. Nah, but yeah. So. I mean, like, so this movie, it it's just sort of depicts mostly just like the rise of Maurizio Gucci to power in the Gucci family and then his eventual assassination. And then like along the way, you get his relationship with his first wife um, or just wife. I don't remember. Did, did he actually marry the other girl? I don't know. Um no, he doesn't. And then, not, at least and then, not in the movie. I don't know if in real life he does. But. <laughs> okay. And then, and then like a lot of internal battles in the family over who's going to be in control and then over like whether they're selling out to this corporation and stuff. And so th- there's some interesting history there. Um, there's a lot of very good looking stuff in this movie. The fashion is great. Um, the scenes that like a lot of, uh, they're put together very stylishly. Yeah. Um, I really like that. (laughs) Yeah. I really like that early on, like, uh, the party scene where they're like, they're like dancing to disco in this like stylish Italian mansion. And like, Oh yeah, this is a cool time here. There's a lot of scenes like that where it's just like, oh yeah, I'd like I'd like to be doing this right now, like skiing in the Alps and stuff. Yeah, I don't want to be doing that. That's that's a lot for me. But I do want to be <laughs> I do want to be partying in a in an Italian like club. I do want to be like in like a penthouse apartment in Manhattan and or Italy, depending. Don't really care which, honestly. If I'm yeah. being honest with you, uh, I'll take either. Um, you know, I do want all of those things. I will say that. Um, you know, that all seems fine to me. Yeah. Um, the acting in this movie is sublime. Pretty, like, yeah, like pretty I, I, with a glaring exception, the acting <laughs> is sublime in this movie. Uh, um, yeah. 
So, um, and we'll obviously get to the exception, but let's talk about the good first. I really think we should we should hone in on that. First up, Lady Gaga is as good as everybody's talking about. It's fucking insane. She's very very good in this movie. I like She's great. She's possibly even better than in A Star is Born yeah. with the obvious exception of she doesn't really sing in this one. Yes. Uh, but <laughs> And so like that was a big part of her performance before, yeah. but here it's just, it's all her acting and her performance and it's great. She's got a lot of different, uh, she's got some pretty big emotional scenes in this, but she's also got scenes where she's being a little funnier or just like really sassy or something like that. And she pulls all that off really well. Yes. And the accent is a little crazy, but not like cartoonishly crazy. It's just like uh, you, you'd imagine like some very airy, italian rich woman might talk like this <laughs> yeah it kind of feels like she's like trying to project that image too right like she's like trying yeah. to act like she's like rich and like super like hoity-toity um when saying hoity-toity made me feel like john travolta and hairspray hoity-toity um <laughs> but um you know like that's how you know and i think that the accent worked because of that you know um i think if she'd been playing a character who's supposed to be like a you know a typical Italian woman who isn't trying to be quote unquote above her station. Obviously I don't believe that anybody has a station that they can be above or below just a disclaimer. Um, <laughs> but like, you know, but that's like her vibe, right? Like she's like, she's just like a working woman and she's like, I want to be rich and famous. Although she never expresses as much. It's pretty clear by the end what she wants. Um, um, you know, and that's why I think the accent really worked for her. If she'd been trying to be somebody who was like, you know, if this had been a different movie, it might not have worked. Um, though, because I don't think she could pull off like a just like authentic Italian average accent. But um, it really worked with like trying to be somebody she's not. Um, uh, and she, yeah, I thought she was really, really good. I thought she was really excellent. I mean, she holds her own with Adam Driver, which is uh, not nothing. Um, yeah, <laughs> he's a very good actor. Um, Adam Driver and, is phenomenal. Yeah, especially <laughs> in this movie. Yeah. Um, so, you know, she's really fucking great in this. Um, I do expect she'll get some award nominations. Um, so, um, would, would be deserved, I would say. Um, she, I think, mm -hmm. I think she's really, I mean, second movie in a row where she's really made a claim that she's a good actress. So good for her. Yeah. Um, so yeah, we mentioned Adam Driver. He's great in this. Yes, um, very, you very get good. to see his transformation from someone who doesn't really want to be part of like the, the Gucci family. He doesn't really want to be like in charge or running things to someone who like reluctantly takes up the reins to somebody who's actively like trying to be at the at the wheel, so to yeah. speak. Um, and it, it's interesting to see how he how he transforms over the course of the movie. You also get to see his conflict with his wife, um, and that that gets heated and exciting at various times. Um, so there's a lot of good stuff there. Um, as far as side characters go, um, you've got Jer the older the older members of the Gucci family, played by Jeremy Irons and Al Pacino. Uh, yes. both two like very storied powerhouse actors there um both do a great job although it is it is very interesting to see the wildly different interpretations um between Jeremy Irons and Al Pacino <laughs> where like Al Pacino is acting like 
90% more Italian than Jeremy yes. Irons. Yes. Uh, Jeremy Irons is like practically just speaking in a British accent the whole time with like a slight Italian intonation. Yeah. Um, He's also being his character. I mean, that's, I mean, that's one of the big problems. I mean, you know what? There's like a running theme in the movies we've talked about the most tonight. That's it. Like fucking accents and cultural like signifiers are just like completely like there's no there's no consistency among any of these things. Um, like every single movie we've discussed tonight. Um, but like, in a way, it, it like it sort of fits because they all have like different accents, but they all kind of fit their characters in a way. Like Jeremy Irons is like more reserved and like uh, stoic, conservative, and uh, Al Pacino is a little more bombastic over the top. Yes. Um, and then there's Jared Leto. <laughs> Jared, uh, Jared Leto is just like a whole fucking thing. And well, that's like, you know, I don't know. So Jeremy Irons, character is, is weird because not only is he like, yeah, you're right. Like his accent is suspect. Um, but like he also like visually like I like how like for half of the movie and we know that he gets sick and dies like whatever. Um, but like for half of the movie, it's like he has like the most pronounced dark circles around his eyes that I've ever seen a character have in like my entire yeah. life. It's like completely fucking insane. I'm like, are, like, did he get punched like right before every single scene? Like, I don't know what's going on. Um, like for like the first few times you see him, I was like, what are we doing here? Um, <laughs> it turns out he was like sick and dying, I guess. But um, it is yeah. extremely pronounced that he's like, got these like massive dark circles on his eyes so like that also like adds like this like high drama of like half the time you see him he's in his like house it's like a mansion and it's like dark gray everywhere and it's like like the lighting is dim and he's sitting there looking like that and he's got these dark circles and he's speaking in this reserved voice like all right we are serious tonight with jeremy irons Um, (laughs) yes but yeah, it, he was a, he was fun. I mean, or fun is maybe not the right word, but he was good. Yes. All right. Uh, Jared Leto. Oh God. <laughs> I the thing is, I can't I can't decide whether this was a bad choice or not. <laughs> like, so well, it really he, Jared Leto. On what? It, I don't know. Continue. You you go first. <laughs> It, it does so jared leto plays paolo gucci who is the son of al pacino's character um and cousin of Maurizio, and he sounds like just the most <laughs> insane italian stereotype you've ever heard he sounds and, and he looks like the most insane oh, italian stereotype you've ever heard he looks absolutely crazy he's got he's like uh, cl- wearing like very heavy prosthetic makeup he, yes. he's like made to look like much heavier in the face he's got like male pattern baldness but also like long hair yep. in the back and just like a big crazy nose and he wears these wild flamboyant suits and stuff and then it's not so much just the accent as it is like the cadence of the way yeah. he speaks. Yeah. It's like he's got this very bouncy way of speaking like, I'm Paolo. How could you? Yeah. It's <laughs> Where... like he's fucking Super Mario. <laughs> like <laughs> He's like bouncing off his own words. Um, and yeah, I it really does come down to like it. 
like is this i i think it's supposed to be a comic character clearly like his is supposed to be the funny one we're supposed to laugh at him most of the time yeah um it is just it is like every scene when he shows up it's just like what is going on now like we're just transported into like a different kind of movie all of a sudden yes um sometimes it works sometimes it doesn't for what it's worth i like he does bring some sort of pathos to the character he like this is his like big plot is basically like that he he wants to be more involved in the fashion designing part of the family and nobody takes him seriously everyone thinks he's a joke and you can see him like constantly suffering because of that and he he does he is kind of sympathetic he does get that part of the character across but he's also just laughably silly the entire time yeah i guess i guess like the biggest problem is that he like it it is very very funny but part of the problem is that it's funny and i'm not sure like part of the humor is that it just feels so out of place like it's just like it's like it doesn't feel like any other element of the movie like he (laughs) he walks in and he's just like acting in a completely different film um, and it's very bizarre. I would like to take a moment to read Jared Leto's dis- description <laughs> of how he prepared for this movie. Yes. Yes. Um, uh, let me start by saying that this is from an interview he did with ID. Um, he said that the performance was very physical and that quote, bringing Palo to life was like birthing a bowling ball out of my sphincter. So <laughs> we're doing well. Um, he then said, quote, I did it all. I was snorting lines of arrabbiata sauce by the middle of this movie. I had olive oil for blood. This was a deep dive I did. If you took a biopsy of my skin, it would come back as Parmesan cheese. This is my love letter to Italy. There was a lot of work and preparation. And yes, I had an Italian accent and I enjoyed and embraced that and lived in that space as much as I could for as long as I possibly could. I climbed into that creative cave and and come out through the bowels and intestines into the esophagus of the one and only Paolo Gucci. What the fuck? Like, <laughs> what? What the fuck are we talking about? Like, this man is absolutely insane. Uh. Every time an interviewer's like, Jared Leto, what'd you do for this movie? That's like, I wish you hadn't fucking asked. I'll tell you that because he can never just say something fucking normal about the shit he does for a movie. He has to like leave like used condoms at fucking Viola Davis's doorstep (laughs) and some other crazy shit. He has to go give dead pigs to his castmates. Like now he has to snort lines of arrabbiata sauce and his skin is Parmesan cheese, which doesn't make sense because if your skin was Parmesan cheese, it's just flaking off. Like, I don't really know what we're doing. Um, Maybe he had, like, a really bad skin condition during I also this. like I how know. his he was snorting lines of arrabbiata sauce and he had olive oil for blood and his skin was Parmesan. You should be snorting Parmesan. Like, <laughs> you, like your blood should be arrabbiata sauce and your skin should be oily with olive oil. I don't really know why the fuck you got all three of those wrong. Like... <laughs> And he but. played upon a ladle, a ladle, a ladle. <laughs> um, That's what I was thinking when I was reading that. Oh God. Uh, uh, yeah, yeah, it's nuts. Uh, like I said, I can't. Like I don't entirely hate it. It is kind of fun. It is really uh, fun. It, I don't hate it, and I don't hate him for doing this performance. I think it's really, really enjoyable. I think the pro- the problem is not him. The problem is that 
Ridley Scott let him do this in this movie, but the rest of the movie was not what he was doing. Like that's the mm-hmm. problem for me. It's that they yeah. they were just like in completely different. They were operating in different realms. I mean, putting that up against what Adam Driver was doing is completely insane. Like those two <laughs> were like acting and like I like the fact that they even interacted in this movie is insane because nobody thought, wow, this is weird. Like. Right, like, because they that, were just like, see, not at all. Op- they were not on the same page about what this movie was. Like that scene where that scene where after you know Paolo confronts him after Maurizio like screwed him over, uh, and when the he show, gives his the, the fashion show or, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's right after them when he like meets him outside the church or whatever, and like when he has his his line that everybody's making fun of. It's me, Paolo. How could you? Yes. Um. In that that scene is like it's like watching like half of a comedy routine yeah. or something because yes. it's like Adam Driver is giving like none of that same energy back. No. It's just one, one like one character in the scene is like a silly character, and everybody else is like a completely different character. Yes. Um. <laughs> it's very it's very strange. It's um, extremely bizarre. None of it makes any sense. I don't know. Worth, what... <laughs> worth mentioning as well that like just from a, a cursory glance at the Wikipedia article on Paolo Gucci, uh, it doesn't seem like he was this giant goofball like this anyway. And in fact, like he actually was heavily involved in creative decisions at Gucci for a while. Um, in co- according to Wikipedia, that he actually created their famous double G logo uh, as seen on like some of their belts and handbags and stuff like that. So now I'm like starting to question, like, was this just like a normal guy that they like made into a comic relief character for this film? I don't know. Apparently also his uh, descendants were not happy with his depiction in this film. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I think that generally speaking, the depictions in this film were not well received. I think that's just like a, you know, nobody really appreciated those depictions. I which which can be fine because this movie is kind of like a farce, a satire of. Yeah, the and Gucci's I think that's fine. And I think there, I mean, quite frankly, I think there should be satires of the Gucci's. That that like this is a story that is right for that. I think the problem I have is that the movie is like half satire of the Gucci's and then half like a serious drama about the Gucci's I'm like, which one are you? Like, what are we doing here? That, you know? Um, so, but like, I, I'm totally on board with satirizing them and I don't really necessarily, I mean, I'm sorry to the kids of these people if they feel like their parents were misrepresented, but they're fucking, they were fucking multimillionaires running a massive fashion house. I don't, I'm not that my sympathies are low. So like, it's fine. Um, <laughs> it's just um, like, you know, it's, it's, it's what what you do satire about the kind of people that you satire. Yeah, I mean, obviously, uh, Maurizio should not have been murdered. To be clear, I, my sympathies are high about that. Oh, yeah. He should not have been murdered. That's like fucked yeah. up. But like, um, but like a satire about like the drama that got us to that point is worth it because it's completely ridiculous and all of it's unnecessary. All of the drama that happens here like didn't need to happen. Like there was no. It's just people being dramatic for no reason half the time. It's like yeah. it's fucking Lady Gaga's character Patricia being like difficult for like no reason. Like I, she's just like let's just be evil, and I'm like okay, 
<laughs> she like she woke she wakes up someday she's like i've decided to make things worse on purpose so we're doing this now um and it's like yeah. okay and adam driver is too like i don't know chicken shit to like do anything to stop her he's just like mm, okay mm. and then he's like oh and i gotta clean up your i gotta fix this and i'm like mm, well you could have like i don't know stopped her earlier like she does like a million bad things before you take any action so i don't know what you want like um <laughs> Yeah. Uh, and also, like, so the the disjointed tone is like the one major thing that I would say is like a negative on this film. Um, the other thing that I thought was kind of strange was that, like, when you get to the assassination, that's like that's gone through very quickly. And then, like, yes. the movie ends like very abruptly after. Uh, and I'm like, they, like, I feel like that's like the climax of the movie rather than just like a footnote at the end. Yeah. Um, I was kind of expecting more, more of like the investigation and the trial and stuff, but not like the, you know, um, Maurizio's ex-wife puts out a hit on him and he gets assassinated. And then it's just like, Oh, and then now we're cutting to the trial and she's sentenced and that's it. And I'm like, Oh, that's right. A little bit of a letdown because uh, it is a, it is a pretty interesting case. You know, it's such a high profile person to get assassinated by his own ex-wife. Well, by, you know, a hitman hired by his ex-wife. Um, <laughs> yeah, pretty, pretty surprising and shocking and like definitely a, like a big point in the movie. So I thought that was kind of strange. Right. Yeah, I agree. I mean, I think it's it's kind of like it's it's rushed over because you know I I think I think the movie was trying to make the build up more of the point and then like the, the murder yeah. itself. I mean, because like realistically, if if anybody goes into this movie knowing anything, it's that Maurizio is murdered. Like, I think a lot of people probably yeah. knew that already. I mean, I I don't think everybody would know that, but like a, a fair chunk of the people who see this movie know that. I mean, yeah. I will say that, like, in my theater, at a glance, it was me and a lot of gay men. Um, <laughs> and I would say that 90% of that auditorium knew that Maurizio was going to die. Um, <laughs> like, yeah. um, I do think the way they set it up was interesting. Like, they showed you, uh, like, in the opening, him, like, taking his bike down to the spot where he'd get assassinated. And then it cut yeah. back in time. Yes. And then you got to see that scene later. I thought that was a really cool setup. Yeah. Um, and the scene itself where he gets assassinated is very cool and, and done very well. It's just like what happens afterward is just so abrupt. Yeah, it is pretty abrupt. I mean, it is, it is. There's no, like, it's like, it's like, oh, it happens. And then it's like two years later, she's in court. Um, and it's like, okay. And then it's over. I mean, I liked that it ended with her saying you, like with the judge being like Patrizia or Johnny, Patrizia or Johnny. And she won't answer. And she's like, you can call me. Patrizia Gucci. Um, I did like that. Um, I thought that yeah. was, I thought that was really, really good. And that was effective. a good character moment. Um, that's like the whole, I mean, and that's like a recurring theme of the movie. People are like, you're not a real Gucci. Well, based on the rest of this family, if she's not, I don't know who is like, I mean, <laughs> she's the Gucciest of them. Like, um, so, you know, um, yeah. So 
I thought, yeah, I, I really liked that. I liked the way it ended in general, but yeah, I agree that it, it was kind of rushed right there. Um, I mean, although by that point I was not mad about the movie ending either. I was like, if this goes on for much longer, I'm going to become very right. frustrated. Um, right. I feel uh, like I, it was a little on the long side, but it, you know, it didn't waste too much time getting there. I feel like it was, it, there, there weren't a lot of boring scenes in this movie. I feel no, like everything no. that happened was pretty interesting. And it, it's not, it's not like a tightly paced thing at all, but if you just enjoy watching characters that are like very interesting characters that are very well acted, interacting in somewhat drawn out scenes, then it's a good movie. For yeah. That. I think if, you, if you're fine with just like watching people act off of one another and like in like well composed shots, like that's like, then you'll be fine. Like, you know, um, but you know, it's, it's the plotting is kind of weird. I, I thought that like, both a plus and a minus. One thing I liked was that, like, there's, like, very little interiority for any character. Like, it's, like, very easy to not know what a character's really thinking or feeling at any given time. Like, there's no, like, you know, like, I have no idea what Maurizio in this movie actually wants or cares about or thinks. Like, I, yeah. I have no fucking clue. I, I barely have any idea what Patrizia wants or thinks about. There's, like, one scene where she calls a psychic that kind of gives away the game. Um but like otherwise half the movie I'm like I actually have no idea what she truly wants like like I you know and because it, there's like never a moment where people like talk about their feelings they never like you know in in, in an honest way I should clarify um, right everybody uh, everybody gets very emotional but it's unclear whether they're just being histrionic or whether they're exactly like really exactly upset. and so like I think I think that really works to the movie's themes it also can be kind of a detriment when like big moments happen. Cause you're like, well, where the fuck? Like when Adam driver finally calls it quits with lady God, like, I'm like, I have no fucking clue that you were thinking that. Like I had no idea. Like, I mean, I had some idea because like one scene previously, like literally the scene before this, you had kind of made it clear, but that was one scene before this. It like, we went from like zero to 60 real fast on this break. Yeah, here, man. Like, um, you know, so it like, it also is kind of a detriment. It, um, so I, I wish Ridley Scott had found a way to like have his cake and eat it too there. Cause I thought it was actually really good. Cause I think it's realistic for like what a family like he's trying to display would be like, they would not be the sort of family that's like openly talking about their real emotions with any authenticity. They would not do that. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but, but, but at the same time, it, it, as a viewer, it's really hard to sit there and be like, well, wait, now we're getting a divorce. Like, because Two scenes ago, you seemed totally okay with the fact that she was being a total nightmare. Like, so what are we doing? Like, yeah, um, yeah. I, I would, I would watch this again just to yeah. like try to figure out what the characters are actually thinking and feeling. Um, and there's definitely a lot to chew on there with the the great performances in this movie. Sure, so, for sure. You no, know, there's probably some rewatch value there. I think so. There's definitely rewatch value. I mean, it's very fun, if nothing else. Like, I mean, which is like, I guess, sort of, I mean, it's a movie about a murder, ultimately, but it is like a kind of <laughs> yeah. fun movie. It's like, it's absurd. It's, it's, some scenes are campy, not all scenes. Some scenes are very campy, which is kind of fun. Um, so, Jared Leto is doing what Jared Leto is doing. Um, yeah. That he is. It was a good Christmas movie too. It is a there's Christmas some, movie. <laughs> there's some some great wintry scenes in this. Yeah, and, and there's like actual Christmas. Christmas scenes. Like there's a yeah. there, a key a key scene is a Christmas scene. So yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. There's that that scene where 
uh, Maurizio gets um, his wife like just a terrible Christmas gift. That's so funny. It's like gets her a Bloomingdale's gift card. That was so fucking funny. I laughed out loud. <laughs> um, I mean, it's pretty bad. Um, uh, you know what? Another thing that I liked about um, the the daughter like barely has a speaking role. Like it's just like Lady uh, Patrizia has a daughter. Just like no, a non a non entity in the movie for so much of it. Yeah. It's like I'm you pregnant, and he's like, no. "What?" Um, <laughs> and then it's like, no, like we barely see her pregnant. We see her in the hospital after she's given birth. Like that's it. We know that when I mean after she announces that she's pregnant, we see her drinking and smoking. I know that in the era that was like totally like probably <laughs> yeah, would have happened, yeah. but it is very funny to see now. Um, and then she's given birth and then like there's really no consideration of the daughter until towards the end when first of all when their marriage is clearly about to end and they are it's not really said but like he's having a moment with her and they're playing simon says and then lady gaga comes in and wants to have a moment with her so she starts getting involved and it's like all right we're jockeying for the attentions of our daughter this is a bad sign it's all going to hell now um (laughs) so that's like when that's like the one scene where the daughter is important (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> which is yep. very telling and it's like yeah. <laughs> a, tr- a pawn basically yep. it yeah. is extremely telling about what really scott is trying to say here um so i really did appreciate that i thought that was really effective and well done um so i liked it i also yeah. will admit i liked that we didn't have to try to see a good child performance so that's like a, yeah a, you know a plus um usually usually safest to just yeah. just don't that. do it yeah <laughs> um it would have just been another layer of performances that felt like a different movie i mean i would have just been like all right oh, yeah. i don't know what we're doing here um so yeah um but um a couple of good sex scenes in this movie um oh yeah adam driver that's... goes down to lady gaga that's pretty good yeah um, yeah it's yeah. becoming more of a rarity these days the yeah. anti-sex scene crowd must be up in arms against this but uh they're pretty well done fuck it um yeah yeah i liked it um i thought it was good um can we also talk about salma hayek sorry we haven't talked about salma oh, hayek yeah. i had um, no idea she was in this movie until she showed up well i'd seen she her just... name mentioned as associated but i didn't know who she played so i had like i when she when she did showed up i was also pretty surprised i was like oh you're a psychic lady um yeah she plays the tv psychic who's that, an accomplice uh, to murder fine, yeah totally fine. that she calls and then later like becomes friends with and then <laughs> helps lady gaga find the assassin <laughs> some of their scenes also border on like the humorous like their first scene where where um lady gaga's calling in is not meant to be humorous it's like where lady gaga's like am i gonna get what i want and that's like your big clue in that she's like in it for all the wrong reasons like and like really the only one for much of the movie i mean you can sort of see all of her like jockeying for power within the house of gucci is sort of like actually like just you know whatever like being corrupted by power by that point but like it's pretty clear that it's from the beginning if you take that psychic scene into into consideration like she's been right gunning for this um but um like they're like scenes like they go to a spa and they have their mud bath and like Sama Hayek is like, oh, men always, men would be nothing without women and blah. And it's like, oh, we're doing the girl power thing here when you're about to murder. <laughs> um, and that's a pretty funny scene. I think it's pretty objectively funny when like, they're like, oh, girl power. But it's like, well, you're talking about being crazy people and committing murder. So, I mean, 
um, yeah. <laughs> um, which is a pretty funny scene. And another scene that kind of feels like, like some of their scenes feel like they're also in a slightly different film. <laughs> um, yeah, um, maybe. Uh, but Sama Hayek was pretty fun in this. Um, I thought she's I, good. Yeah, yeah. I thought she was enjoyable. That's for sure. Um, Giuseppina Ariem. That's her. That's her name. Gonna. Yeah, I thought it was good. I thought, I thought oh, she was yeah. good. Yeah. Overall, House of Gucci, I thought pretty good. A little inconsistent at times, but overall, not a lot to complain about. Um, definitely something I would watch again and recommend anyone check out if it's still sure, in theaters yeah. near you. Yeah, it was fun. It's a good watch for the holidays. It's it's kind of odd to me that it didn't come out like over Christmas. I feel like this is the sort of movie that would come out over Christmas. But uh, when was it? When hmm. did it actually release? Was it a Thanksgiving release instead? Yeah, yeah, yeah I think so. So that that, so, that like sort of makes sense. The movies right now are either Thanksgiving or or Christmas movies, right? Like that's like yeah. what it is. Um, so it it kind of makes. I mean, yeah. It kind of makes sense. Why not? Why not do the Thanksgiving release instead of Christmas? Um, so that that way you kind of get the best of both worlds because everybody, you know, the first round of people will see it for Thanksgiving, but some some theaters show it during the week of Christmas still, and people will go see it then. Yeah. So um, keep it around. Yeah. But yeah, it's worth seeing. It's definitely worth seeing. I I had fun. Um, yeah. See it just for the memes, and you know, like they're like, there's so much, so many like moments that are worth laughing at in this movie. At the very least, at the very least, you got to see Jared Leto. It's me, Paolo. <laughs> How could oh, you? Um, I still love that everybody spoke in a in an Italian accent, but in English. I was like, all right. Yeah. Oh, of course. That's, you know, that's how you do something like this. You... I love it. I love it. I love I, it. I'm glad we didn't have Jared Leto learn Italian for this because it would have been. That would have been very funny. Um, <laughs> um, so as we're wrapping up, may I ask what you've been drinking for this movie? We haven't talked about this. Oh, OK. Um, I've been lazy and I'm just I'm drinking Coors Banquet. You are not on theme. You are banished from the podcast forever. I'm going to sell your shares to the fucking Roma team. Um, Oh, no. uh, You're going to bring in the corporate, the corporate uh, uh, outsiders to take over the shares. Yeah, Sorry. This is no longer a family business. Um, (laughs) Hate to break it to you. Um, Well, some of us have been on theme. I'm drinking a Chinar Negroni. Um, Ooh. which is just a Negroni, yeah. but you replace the Campari with Chinar. Um, pretty good. Pretty good. Is that how you pronounce that? Chinar? That. Yeah. Um, Chinar. Yeah. Oh, um, interesting. Yeah. It's pretty good. That's a, I like it. That's an artichoke liquor, right? Artichoke. Um, I don't know why I said it like that. Um, <laughs> <laughs> you were thinking like... Arabiata or I think I, I briefly cheese. I briefly went um like uh what's his face? Fucking um Chewbacca. <laughs> I don't think of the name Chewbacca. Um, <laughs> what's that? What's that uh that um, Wookiee? Yeah. Uh, 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 um yeah, no, that's uh it is the artichoke one though. Um 
it's good though. I like it. I like I like Chinar a lot, and I don't get many option many chances to use it. So I was like, I need an excuse tonight. Um, yeah. So no, oh, that's a uh, that's a good use for it. Negroni's and it's Italian. Chinar is Italian. The Negroni is Italian. Mm-hmm. We're all Italian. Yeah. Well, not we all. Point. But- on point. I will make sure to have a more thematic drink next time. Yeah, you better. Um, <laughs> um, one thing I did want to mention before we close out, I recently acquired a small projector. Oh, yeah, you did. For, for the uh, office slash podcast studio here. And oh, man, I'm going to have a lot of fun with this thing. I'm so jealous. <laughs> That's so cool. It's it's wild. It's it's a pretty cheap thing, but it works surprisingly well. Uh, and there's something special about seeing movies projected, even in your living room or office, as it were, and uh, <laughs> just seeing it up on the big blank wall. That's a lot of fun. I love it. That's so cool. I'm sure uh, it's just fun to watch movies that way. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, it's really cool. And, uh, you know, it, it makes it feel more like a production, you know. You're not just turning on the TV. You got to fire up the projector. Um, this isn't like a like a Christie 6K projector or anything. Like, oh, I was going to say 4K. And I'm like, wow, like you can actually get 4K in your own house these days. But wow. um, it's not even that impressive. I have to go to like 8K. Um, oh, Things are going to start looking real rough. Um, <laughs> don't put me in 8K. No, That's I all I ask. That. Yeah, I'm putting it in my will. Don't put me in 8K. Never put me in 8K. Never. <laughs> all right. Um, well, until next time, you can find us on all the major platforms. We're on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts. And you can also reach out to us, send us an email, buzzedonmovies at gmail.com. Or reach out to us on Twitter at buzzedonmovies. And until next time, we'll see you at the movies. Mm. I was going to say that in Italian, and then I just forgot how to say (laughs) the future tense in Italian. So, uh, oh no. We'll see you at the movies. We'll see you at the movies. Um, Yeah. We'll see you on Duolingo. Well, I need to. Yep. Turns out I need to. <laughs> Arrivederci. Ciao. People just say ciao. Just we people just say ciao. Just say ciao. Just say ciao. 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 ciao.